0: Hi, my name's Keith Murray, I'm a developer and software architect from Vancouver, and this is my first podcast for Hacker Public Radio. It seems that telling the tale of how you came to be an active user of Linux or open source software has become the de facto first show topic, so here's my story. The first computer I ever owned was purchased secondhand from a local company who'd recently upgraded all their systems. It was a second generation Intel Pentium system with precious few system resources, but it was mine. All mine. I played with it for a few months, trying out different configurations and software packages, and of course, different operating systems. I tried pretty well every OS I was familiar with at the time. This of course meant that I'd pretty much just tried about 16 different versions of Windows. After a few months of running it in this default configuration, I became curious about Linux. I'd seen the distribution CDs attached to magazines and the back covers of Linux for Dummies books. I picked up a copy of Red Hat Linux for Dummies and began my triumphant march into the world of open source software. Well, maybe it wasn't so triumphant after all. I was able to get the system to install, but I had trouble getting it to recognize anything more than the most basic hardware. After a couple of hours, I had a working system, with no network card, no sound card, and no webcam. I poked around for a while, but before the night was over, I was back into Windows and my Red Hat partition just sat there taking up disk space for a few months. I tried off and on over the next year or so to get Linux working the way I wanted it. Red Hat 7 had drivers for my NIC, and once I got online, I was able to get the sound card working. No thanks to some of the people I found in a couple of chat rooms I was looking for help in, telling me to RTFM without ever really providing me guidance as to where to find the M. Ultimately, though, I didn't find that Linux was going to suit my needs at the time. As much as I enjoy a project, I didn't feel like I wanted to spend all my time just trying to get things working. It would be years before I made another serious dive into the Linux world. While Linux wasn't for me, at first, my interest in open source software had certainly been piqued. I soon discovered that there was a great deal of free software available for Windows as well. Sometimes you hear the long rants of people who try to insinuate that if you buy a computer with a proprietary OS, then you're also stuck paying for all your expensive proprietary software as well. As most of us know, of course, that isn't really the case. Whether it was the days of shareware and freeware available from all sorts of places during the 90s, or the days of open source software in the 2000s, there's pretty well always been a way to get free or very low cost applications for nearly every platform. A quick aside, when I say free throughout this podcast, I'm speaking monetarily. I'm not going to make the distinction between free as in beer and free as in freedom. It's a complex issue that I just don't have the time or quite frankly the patience to get into today. I begin to really enjoy playing with various kinds of open-source software. Some are things that most of us are familiar with, the Firefox browser for one. Other applications I picked up during this time period are things that I continue to use to this day on the various platforms I interact with on a daily basis, like Audacity, which I'm using to record this podcast. There's even a couple of open-source applications that are only for Windows, like Notepad++. And there are even large corporations making light versions of their software available to those who can't afford or can't justify spending hundreds of dollars on large commercial software packages microsoft has been offering for example uh, an express SKU of its visual studio software development tool since 2005. while it doesn't have all the bells and whistles of their commercial product it is a very serviceable ide for students and hobbyists as my usage of the internet grew through the 2000s i began to vary the technologies i use even more i signed up for a web hosting account in 2005 with a company that provided me shell access to my shared hosting server. That server, running on CentOS, allowed me to direct command line control over some of the aspects of my hosting service. This became the first time that I was able to use a Linux machine effectively. Not long after this initial exposure to a practical Linux implementation that I could make use of and really enjoy, it was time for me to buy a new computer. I had decided that it was time to move myself to an OS that had a nice terminal interface that I could use just like the one on my fancy new web server one that was based on the foundation of a free Unix-based OS, and I speak, of course, of the Mac. Despite my recent positive experiences with the server-side Linux implementation, I wasn't prepared to hand over my desktop to a Linux system just yet. I was, however, prepared to start offering Linux a role on the server-side of my computing life. I was in need of a file server and a LAMP server to do testing and, and playing around with some web technologies, so I decided to restage my old Windows desktop as a server running Ubuntu. In truth, this was probably more of a test server than a production server, and by that I mean I never did really entrust any of my data to it, other than holding some backups of my data that came from my Mac and my Windows machines in my home at the time. There was little else for this machine to do. It did, however, set very important groundwork that would be added to down the road. As I mentioned in the introduction, I'm a software developer in my day job, My primary experience with software development is on the Microsoft stack, .NET, C-sharp, that sort of thing. I've written code in several other languages over the years, PHP, Python, C, Java, but I do work primarily with .NET in my day job, so it was easy for me to turn that direction when I wanted to begin working on software projects in my spare time. Since it's easiest to work with that platform on Windows, I decided that it was time for me to get a second computer, a desktop machine running Windows 7 that I could use for building applications. It had been a few years since I'd purchased the Mac, and running Windows 7 in a VM on a somewhat underpowered Mac at this point was becoming a bit difficult. So, a second machine was in order. Due to the age of the Mac, this had become a bit of a second primary machine. I would use the two of them interchangeably and would need to move data between them fairly regularly. I'd tried using the older Linux PC to handle this task, but at this point the hardware was nearly a decade old and the old 40 gigabyte IDE hard drives were getting a bit long in the tooth for me to have much faith in them. For the first year, I ran the Windows desktop with some file shares open that I used when I needed to share data between the Mac and the PC. As that first year wore on, I found that I was doing less and less development work on the Windows machine, and more and more web-based development work from the Mac on the CentOS web host. It had become clear that it was time for another shift. This began my great Linux experiment. i had become very familiar with Ubuntu in virtual machines over the past few years, and listening to shows like the Going Linux podcast, I kept hearing all sorts of good things about people's experiences with Linux as a desktop OS. Having done my stint with the Mac, I figured it was time to take another shot at using the Linux desktop, since things had undoubtedly improved during the intervening decade, and my initial problems with Red Hat would no longer be an issue. And for the most part, that was exactly right. I had initially planned the project to be about three months long, but as I detailed in a fairly expensive blog post that I'll link to in the show notes, I wrote at the time that there were just too many issues for me to cope with. Not all of these were technical. To be fair, some were the result of a major shift between platforms, but ultimately I decided that a Linux machine was just not a good fit for me as a primary desktop machine, and the experiment was cut short after only three weeks. While it was very clear that I could do anything on a Linux system that I could do on a pre-installed commercial OS like Windows or OS 10, many of these tasks required more investigation, more adjustment, more tweaking, learning, failing, redoing, frustration, and more importantly, time than I was willing to commit. That may not be consistent with the hacker ethos, but it was simply the way I felt at the time. What I didn't do was switch that machine back to Windows. I learned something very important about how I use computers, and quite frankly, I needed a server. A good one. Something reliable, with a wide variety of software packages that could do specific things that I wanted. And I wanted something that could run with a minimum of overhead, leaving all of the system's resources for the services and applications that it hosted. For me, Linux is almost purely a server OS. Now, I've been running a Linux server in my home full-time since the conclusion of that experiment back in 2010. The original server hardware has been donated to a family member and I recently did a server build, my first hand-built PC in nearly a decade, and I used that to assemble its replacement. It performs a number of services and tasks which keep things running smoothly and provide me with peace of mind as I carry out my day-to-day activities in the digital world. I may take some time in a future HPR episode to talk about some of the things that I have my server do for me. I've also recently changed hosting providers and now have a dedicated VM running Debian to host the various websites that I'm involved with, but that too is a topic for another show. I remain confident that the day will come when a Linux distribution will truly challenge for a spot among mainstream PC operating systems. Until then, I couldn't be happier with the performance as Linux as a server OS. Well, I hope this slightly different take on the how I came to Linux story has been of some interest, if you're interested in any of the other things I do, you can find me on Twitter at KD murray, or my blog at kdmurray.net. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HPR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infoenomicum Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alive 3.0 License.